This is How Did I Get This Far, a podcast tackling the basic skills and knowledge that we all completely missed learning. Soon enough, you'll stop having to ask yourself, how did I get this far? On this episode, wait, just how true is the meaning I put on the things I just can't let go of? It's time to find out, how did I declutter this far? Today, we are going to tidy up our expectations when it comes to decluttering. Sorting this out with us is our guest, Monica Fay. She is a professional organizer who has been featured on CBS, NBC, ABC, iHeartRadio, and Good Day Sacramento. She is also the author of the self-help book, The Energetic Outcome, A Guide to Decluttering Your Head, Home, and Hustle. And she is also the founder of the Organizer Accelerator, a community for professional organizers to find support in starting and scaling their organizing businesses. Thanks for making some room for us today, Monica. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. What was the inspiration behind this career for you? Oh my gosh. Okay, so... It it was a long road, but you know, a lot of organizers are like, oh, I grew up so organized and you know, I just was always putting stuff away as a kid. Right. I was not like that as a child. I was a little tornado. (laughs) Um, But what I was really good at was um, getting to the core of why people do what they do, um, empathizing with them, getting them to connect with me. So um, when I was about 20, 21 years old, I started this business while I was still in school, I was really into clean house um, with uh, Nisi Nash. Sorry, Nisi Nash was my huge inspiration. And so I decided I wanted, I always knew I wanted to start my own business. And so I did it in organization and I just wanted to help people. I wanted them to feel good. I wanted them to feel a shift and I wanted them to know they are capable of doing something powerful for themselves. Wow. You know, that made me think back to when I was a kid. I was actually very organized. If I played with my toys, I put them away. I love being organized, but I definitely am lacking on the actual professional side of it. I know there are limits to my ability with organizing, so I'm excited to get your expertise. Okay, so before we go into my questions, we're going to do our game. It's called superlatives. I'm going to give you superlative phrases in association with this topic, and you'll just give me your answers. Cool. All right, the first one. What is the best way to get rid of your quote unquote stuff, your unwanted items? What is a good way of getting rid of them? Oh, you know, just aligning yourself with a charity or a business that you feel good about. Um, Because I think so many times people want to get rid of their stuff. And then when it comes time to like giving it to just goodwill or something, they start to think nobody's going to see it. Nobody's going to care about it the way I did. Nobody's going to know this cost money. And so if you, before you even declutter, kind of come up with a list of a couple places that really mean something to you, um, then you can give it to them and feel like you actually are doing something with the items. And it does help people release a little bit easier. Oh, I like that. Okay. We'll touch on other uh, ways of getting rid of things, but I think that's an awesome best one. All right. The next one. What is a part of the home that is the most common spot in the home that needs to be decluttered? Oh man, there's so many, (laughs) so many common spots. (laughs) Clutter is just so common. Everybody has a drunk drawer. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like most people have a bag full of bags. So that's a big one. (laughs) Um, People can get a little bit uh, tangled in the bottoms of their closet Mm -hmm. because you might have things hung up and neat, but clothes get thrown on the bottom of the closet or piled up or fall and you don't put them back on hangers. So that's another common spot too. Do you have a suggestion for that bag of bags? What do you do with all of your bags? Oh, I'm a, I'm a cheater. What I do is when I see that I've been accumulating too many bags, 
Um, I intentionally bring stuff to my friend's house in the bags and impart like the bag on them. So now one by <laughs> one, I'm giving away bags and it makes me feel like, oh, I recycled the bag. I got yes. it through use into it. And now it is their problem. Such good recycling. <laughs> my next one, what is your favorite organizational tool? Like a physical item that you like to use to help organize whatever it might be? Ooh, that's a good question. There's so many, I think honestly getting the right hangers is, is a huge thing for closets. What's considered a good hanger? Like a slim, it's like they have the slim hangers that are velvet um, and they make sure that your clothes aren't slipping and they're thinner so you can fit more in and they just hang really well together. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I think another one is getting something in your closet to like hang your broom and your mop and things like that. So many people just shove it into their closet and let it lean. And then they don't, but there's, I don't even know, there's so many brands and they're generic too. In Home Depot, you just snap your stuff into it and you can pull it right out. And it's just, it looks nicer, gets it off the floor. Things don't get tangled and you're more likely to use it when you can see it. Ooh, good one. Ooh, get us back in the cleaning game too. My last one of this, the most common item found among your clutter. Not you specifically, but in general, what do you see is like a very common thing people keep? People love to keep, they don't mean to keep, there's two things that I see all the time. People love to keep old food in their purses and drawers and stuff. Oh, no, this is not what I was expecting. Yeah, like candy bars, protein bars, like gummy snacks. Right. Like it's always in the oddest places and you're like, okay. <laughs> so I don't think that's like neat clutter that people mean to have, but it's always right. somewhere and you'll find it in the junk drawer in like the top drawer of the bathroom, like just everywhere. Um, people, <laughs> people hold on to snacks. Um, People really commonly hold on to clothes that don't fit them anymore. That's a huge one. Um, You know, especially if you were smaller when you were younger, or if you, you know, were larger at one time and you haven't, you don't think that you're going to stay that way. People will keep older clothes because they have this fear that either they think that the life that they had before is going to someday they're going to have that life again, or they have a fear that they haven't really moved past something that they've worked hard for. So uh, yeah, clothes that don't fit are a huge one. Oh gosh. I think everyone at some point is like, I'm going to hold on to this for, you know, when I lose those 10 pounds. Oh gosh, that is some triggering stuff there. All right. We're going to go into my questions now. So let's just start off with the term clutter what exactly is considered clutter? How do you decide like, okay, I have a lot of stuff. Like, is that all it is? Or what might your definition be? Clutter honestly is like all the items that you don't want to make decisions on that you're just constantly moving around and living around um, that you've stored in the back of your brain that one day you, one day maybe you'll use (laughs) or one day you need to take care of it. So clutter is different for everybody. And it could be paper and mail and, and tax stuff for one person. It could be old clothing and just um, too much stuff in your closets. It could be um, having multiple sets of things because you've combined households with a spouse or um, a significant other or mm. something like that or roommates. So it's just any, anything that like doesn't allow you to live fully and you have to store these items in your head that one day you might be able to use it or one day you might go through it. So when you, when it starts to really pile up and you have to store this stuff away in your head that you're going to take care of one day or find a use for one day, that's clutter. Yeah. 
why do we hold on to this stuff? You mentioned with the clothes, it's like, oh, maybe one day I'll fit in this again. What about everything else? Why do we hold on to this stuff? Oh, there's so many reasons, but you know, we, we give value to things and then we don't understand why we've given value to them. So, um, sometimes the things we give value to, it could be something small, like, you know, uh, a bunch of business cards or it could be something big, like, you know, a lot of artists will keep pieces of junk because they think they're going to incorporate it into their art. And then they end up kind of drowning themselves in odds and ends, things like that. Sometimes it's fear-based and sometimes it's possibility-based, but it's always based in like assuming that there's value in something that, but you are the one who gave it value. So it might be something from your family and you might feel guilty for getting rid of it because it means something to somebody else or you have an idea of what you want to be like, or you have a memory of what you were like. So you attach value because one day you're going to either achieve that, or you're going to catch up to where you were before. Um, so it's, it's all value. It's all perception based. Um, and we have to just get really clear about the why behind, um, the value we put into things. Is the goal to just get rid of the stuff or is is it just like a mindset change what is the goal with decluttering the go- the goal is to alleviate yourself of having to make so many choices so that you can you only make the choices that feel good that um, move you forward in your goals the needle movers um it's like we just have to um let go so that we can move on with our lives and we can live the way we want because there's always two things happening is we keep the things that we think are going to enhance our lives or hold us to the past. And then we have a life we want to live and they don't always go together. So it's, it's making these two go together. What should you do then to kind of help you have the life, I guess, a combination of what it is that you want to have, but not put all that weight on your stuff. Like what should you do instead? What's the mindset we need to change? There's a lot of um, schools of thought about decluttering, but the very first one before you get into anything is like, what do you want your place to be like? Whether it's a shared space with someone else or you're living on your own, what is the vision you have? So you got to, that's only for you to know and to decide. And we've got Pinterest and Instagram and all these apps telling us what we think we need to have in our homes. It's not about the aesthetic that comes last. It's about like what you want to feel in your space, um, how you want it to work for you, the functionality, like, what do you want when you're at home? What do you want when you're at work? What do you want when you are driving in your car? What do you want to feel? How do you want to move through the choices that you make? So that's, it's, you have the vision first, and then you have to move into decluttering room by room, um, just matching that up with your vision. Is this something that I actually need or want or will actually do something with realistically based on who I am? Then you move into the organization creating systems um, that support uh, your learning behavior, your like your behavioral pattern, your natural behavioral patterns. And we can always shift our behaviors a little bit, but we never want to create a system that's going to kind of upend everything and go against how we naturally behave. Because I think we have, there's so much information about how your home should look and how you should organize things. And it's all, the only thing that you need to worry about is like, how do I act naturally? And how can I create a home that supports that? And then the last part is the aesthetic. Everybody wants the aesthetic first. They go to container store and buy like $500 worth of plastic bins. And then it ends up in the garage as a we call it the bin graveyard. <laughs> or we have to go in there and it's like, they're like, oh, we're going to have to go to the store and get some new stuff. I'm like, 
show me where your stockpile is. We probably won't. And then after we put everything in your stockpile and put it away, we're probably still going to have to get rid of some of your organizing supplies. <laughs> so it's a lot simpler than most people think, like the aesthetic part, but everyone wants to do that first. Oh, totally. There's a lot on social media that convinced me I needed so many things off Amazon and so many random things. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of covered, it sounded like the whole process of doing a decluttering, doing a reorganization of your home or starting off in decorating your home. But what about the very first step? I know you kind of said, okay, wait, how do you want your home to look? When you're actually looking at your stuff, what should you physically be doing? Obviously, like everyone knows Marie Kondo did the whole, like, what brings you joy? So like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, is that what we should be asking? Or should we look at something and be like, does this look like the home I dream of, the life I dream of? Like, what do you, what do you really physically do first? So Marie Kondo is pretty cool. I, I love her method. I love her. This is the thing. Her work asks you to ask yourself, does this bring you joy? But for a lot of people who have stepped away from self, who have disconnected from self, who have gone through depression, anxiety, um, overwhelm, heartbreak, death, anything that you've been through that have, has really stressed you out can have you feeling like your intuition betrays you. And sometimes we don't even know what feels joyful to us. Um, and it might feel like fear-based, like, oh no, but I need that. Like, and, it, and you might mistake that for joy. So mm. I, although I love the, her, the basis of her philosophy, sometimes we just have to start with something that has a little less emotion in it and then find the why in the work. That's what I always say that everybody wants to know why first. Why do I have this? Why do I feel this way about it? It's like, Sometimes you have to separate it out first, see it clearly, and then go deeper on your thoughts about those things. Um, so it's a little bit of a shift because you do want to be able to assess and ask yourself things and to really get back to centeredness and self and more intuitiveness and being able to trust yourself. Um, but a lot of people who are making decisions on their clutter are not confident decision makers. So that's one part of my process that I really try to get people um, to align with is like being confident about the things you're letting go of and being a confident decision maker. And what that means is instead of asking, does this bring me joy? You ask yourself, if I, if I were to let this go, do I have the resources in me to go seek out something that protects me, that I can receive this again? Um, I can receive something similar to it again. I know where to find it. I know how to get it. And so it's like instilling confidence in yourself that if you were to let this go, because you already know you're hardly ever using it. It's not something that you really enjoy, but you could use it. It's do you have the, the ability to acquire again or help yourself if you were to need something similar again? Is the meaning behind this thing true? Is this something that you truly value, not just about joy, but is this something that makes you feel like it really does bind you to legacy? It really does keep you safe. Um, this is really something that you want to pursue. Um, so joy is a great basis for a lot of people, but I find that when you first separate out your stuff, put like with like, and you can really assess the volume of things. You can go into each category and ask those deeper questions, but you don't want to ask it per individual item um, 
because your, your uh, train of thought has to switch every single time. So I always tell people like when you're going, pick a very small area, separate the stuff out first, and then you can see what you've got and then go deeper into the why behind it. Oh, that's a that's a good time saver because I would imagine you normally would go through every physical little item, even if it's like a toy, like just mm-hmm. a lot of memory lane and everything like that. Yeah. So I, I would imagine, so you're saying have the question, if I get rid of this, do I have the means or the ability to get it again if I need whatever the physical item would be? Mm-hmm. I feel like the common response is, well, I don't want to spend my money on it. Or what if I do need it one day? How do you combat that? Because I, I can immediately assume that that is going to be the next thought. Yeah. So a common thought is someday, maybe. That's one thing that we have to eliminate yes. first. And the someday, maybe is this thought that like, someday, maybe... I will need this if this thing ever happens or if someone I know it ever happens to them. So what we're doing is creating like fantasy problems for solutions we own right now. So it's like when you own something, you're like, I'm going to create in my head a problem that could happen in the future to justify keeping this. So it's like, yes, we do need certain things that keep us safe. But beyond that, it becomes like ego-based to create these problems that are unlikely. And that's when we have to ask ourselves again, like, can I solve this problem if I don't have the solution at home? Is it, is it easy for me to go out and get help for this or to acquire it again? And um, people are like, oh, I don't want to spend the money on it. But it's like, but you're spending the time on it. You're spending the space mm-hmm. on it. And, and if you buy real estate anywhere, they'll tell you it costs this much per square foot. So every time that you're taking up space, you're taking up time that it's there and money from that space that like that it's stored in. And the other thing is once we've purchased something, the money is already gone. The value has already been restored to the item because you had it for a while because you thought it was going to keep you safe for that time that you would use it for an event, um, that you would use it for yourself, or maybe it was like retail therapy. So I mean, I could go on all day about perceived value, especially when it comes to money spent, um, because I think people really get it wrong. Um, They think that something holds a value forever and it only holds the value that you give it. So the money that you spent on it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter anymore. And a lot of people have a hard time getting their heads around that, especially when they want to resell things, especially things that don't have a lot of value. It's like, you know, yes, you can. And and you might want to take the time to upload it and put it online and get someone to buy it from you and meet up with them or mail it. But again, how much time are you putting into it? Does that line up with the money that you're exchanging for it? um, And the time that you've already owned this piece that is basically eradicates the amount of money that you paid for it in the first place. Yeah, that's a really great concept around the about money with your stuff. I never thought of any of that. But you also touched on my next question, which is about what to do with your stuff. And your best advice earlier was regarding, you know, a charity or a business. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're not the biggest fan of like a Poshmark or a, a Facebook marketplace. No. I, I think you like them, but you have obviously better suggestions. You know, so this is the thing. When you have a high volume amount of stuff that you need to get rid of, you, you really just need to get rid of stuff. And it, it, it's, that's true. not be about, 
um, trying to really get like work the most value out of it. If you have pieces like certain pieces of furniture that really will do well online or our technology that people want or pieces of clothing that will do well on Poshmark. Um, that's okay. But if you are going to sell stuff, you need to take it seriously like a meeting. So you need to schedule in an hour to um, take pictures, upload and put the description on and put it online. So many people put it in the corner or like, you know, upload it and just don't really do much with it. It's like, you do need to take the time out to to get it done and not make it an endless project. And so many people do that. And you also need to give yourself a time limit on what's appropriate to, for it to sell. So I give, I usually tell people two weeks, if it hasn't sold in two weeks, you just need to let it go. Just let it go. And there's going to be a few things, maybe collector's items, like true collector's items um, that you want to sell on eBay or through, you know, a collector that may take longer. That's okay. But for most things, you, you want to put a two week cap on it. And the other thing is there's a lot of consignment shops, just get your stuff down to a consignment shop and be done with it. Let them take it. And even if you don't get as much money as you thought, um, again, the exchange time and value, you know, you have to consider that. I have never had success at those types of stores. If anything, they just tell me how nasty my, they don't say it, but I can feel it. They're like, your clothes are so disgusting and hideous and old. And I'm like, okay. Buffalo Exchange <laughs> is snobby about it. And I'm like, okay. Um, one of my clients, we, uh, she wanted to just give away. I don't know why I went there. I should, I should have just gone straight to, I don't know, the real, real or something. She had a Louis Vuitton <laughs> backpack and she didn't want it anymore. And she was just like, just get rid of it. I don't care. So I took it to Buffalo exchange. They tried to give me $60, $60 for a genuine leather Louis Vuitton backpack. Like, okay. And you know what? Some people do make good small amounts of money through through that company but I'm just like it's not worth it sometimes it's not worth it no I think I brought like two whole bags and they're like we'll take these flats for two dollars I'm like did I really just do all of this yes I'll take the two dollars you paid more in gas to get there sometimes exactly it's good for like I would say stores like Buffalo Exchange are good for if you do have that big trash bag full of clothes because they can pick out a few items your ego will be bruised and then (laughs) you will get a few dollars in exchange and then they will donate the rest of your stuff oh that's kind of you know good because you have to kind of say a final goodbye there but if you're the person who's like I'm just gonna check these out one more time and take them home it's like no They've got the the bins in the back for you to let go. You got to do that. (laughs) So circling back to organizing, you had shared a couple of tips. Were there any other organizing tools or places to get stuff for organizer? I know we probably don't want to keep buying stuff, but do you have any more tips with organizing? Well, this is the thing. Like, I think a lot of people focus on the organizing supplies. And I think that sometimes the problem is the structure. So when I say structure, I mean, like, do you have the proper shelving in your cabinets and closet? Like, do you have the right amount of hanging bars? Do you have a shoe rack, like a decent one, not a shoe rack Mm -hmm. that holds eight pairs of shoes? Like, do you have the proper structure in place to have an organizational system? Like, you know, and so I think that that's one thing that I want people to realize, like, if you got a big open hall closet and you're just shoving, like stacking stuff on the bottom, maybe consider altering your closet by putting in you know, two more, two more shelves. And it's easy to go to Lowe's and get a couple L-shaped brackets and a piece of wood to put on top of it and, and really max out the space you have. Um, so sometimes it's the, the functionality gets better if you do add to the structure that already exists in your house instead of adding in supplies. 
That makes sense. I should have predicted that answer. That actually sounds like a perfect plan. What about when you're shopping next time? So when you're out buying more things, whether it's good or possibly eventually clutter, what is your advice to avoid having to go down this hole again? Do you have any tips when it comes to shopping? Should you ask yourself those questions when you're shopping for new things? Honestly, not till you go through your stuff. Like you have to declutter first because that is the problem people have is they go to the store, they want to buy stuff, they want to buy solutions, but they haven't addressed the problem. They don't know why they're keeping this stuff. They don't, they avoid it. So like there's fear and there's avoidance. And so it's like, if you're avoiding the clutter, you don't even know how much space you have or the right stuff to put in. So I, I can't even say there's stuff to get at the store. It's like, go deal with your, your crap first go deal with <laughs> it and see how much you have left over afterward and what space you have left over. And then you can go in and really start to do the fun part. Okay. So I think a lot of what we talked about is a self-help. I definitely feel like we all know somebody that we want to help with this issue, what is the best way to go about it without upsetting them? Because like you said, it it does often come from an emotional place. So how can you help without overstepping? It's a touchy subject because this is the thing. Some people want to help others with clutter, especially if it's like your child or, a, you know, adult child or something like that. Um, if a person seems happy with their living situation, you have to consider that that's their life. And even though I'm a professional organizer and I should say like, oh, get in there and do this and that. It's like, hire me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, if, if somebody is okay with their life, it's sometimes it's just none of your business. You know, it's like, if they mm-hmm. want to live like this, fine. But if they have, you know, they feel stressed and they know it's stressful. What you can do is you can um, offer support and you can just say like, no judgment. I'm not going to say anything about your stuff. Do you want me to help you just create a little bit of space? Like you get to make the decision on what you're letting go of, but I can do the heavy lifting. I can move the boxes and we can eat pizza, you know? So you want, you always want to allow them to be the driver, but give them the support so that they know that they're not being judged. You're here for the big stuff. Like even if they want someone to sit and talk to you while they're going through all their clothes, that's fine. Just be like, I'll just, we can drink wine while you go through your 84 pairs of jeans. I don't care. Just <laughs> when you bring it up, you, you just say like, you know, you can start with, I've really been decluttering my house. Have you ever done anything like that before? And um, it feels really good. And so you can talk about from your perspective, what you've done and see if the conversation can be open. If this is something they're even interested in. Um, if it's someone who has an overwhelming issue with uh, chronic clutter, hoarding and things like that, um, they may need professional help and, or counseling. So you do want to be able to provide the right resources for them if they're open to it. And sometimes you can send people articles about things. If you're close enough to them, do not do this. If you've never had a conversation before, if they're rejecting it, if they, if they feel really bothered by it, do not do this, but you can send them, you know, resources that are uplifting about, you know, getting organized. You can send them ideas for getting organized. Um, You just want to do it in a way that's not patronizing. I like that point that you had about not judging them while you're offering help too. Is it, that is a hard balance. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to judge anybody. This is the whole thing. Like everybody's like, Oh, hoarders. Cause we've seen like the hoarder show and it's like, so right. gross and this and that. And it's like, you know what? Like so many people have stuff in their house. And when it gets to a point where they have overwhelmed their living situation, it's not because they're lazy and dirty. A lot of time it is, it's a mental illness and it comes from OCD. It can be rooted in a traumatic brain injury. So if you have a TBI, you can get really junky, cluttery. I mean, like 
cat food cans, um, half empty food, because people who aren't processing information sequentially, um, this can really be a buildup for them. Um, people who have extreme depression, like the type where they can't get out of bed, um, alcoholism, all those things are reasons why people start to have really bad uh, hoarding tendencies and things like that. So um, the Institute for Challenging Disorganization is really good for people who are like, I am super stuck um, and I need help. Or if you see somebody who's literally caving in in their life, they may need the Institute for Challenging Disorganization. You can go to challengingdisorganization.org uh, um, and there's other sites that will help you with that. And so there's even scientific study on the distinct brain activity in hoarders. So, and that's like a passion of mine. So this is not something people choose to because they are a terrible person. It's usually because of what, how things are sequencing in their brain or um, emotional stress and things like that, that are really, really pervasive. So that's one thing that I'm really passionate about, kind of like dispelling the rumors on. Thanks for sharing that resource. And then, you know, you're talking about hiring professionals or reaching out to professionals. What exactly do you do as a professional organizer? Are you just physically showing what to do with stuff? Is it a little bit of a mental conversation? What does that look like? Well, so I go in person. I also do remote over Zoom, especially with COVID. This was like a really big thing, especially among a lot of organizers is doing online organizing. So we'd sit here just, you know, like you and I are on two screens and um, it's, it's pretty much the same process of both. But when you're in person, the organizer usually will physically be helping. Um, and the way I work is I like to really get to know the person. I do a walkthrough or I make them send pictures. So they're either doing a video walkthrough um, or I'm physically there walking through assessing everything. And then we talk about their goals. Like, again, the same process, like, what do you want? Like, what do you want out of the space? What do you see? Like, what's your timeline? And you really kind of get them to shape what their expectations are and the time and the amount of time they want to do it. And then you can set a more realistic boundary afterward, uh, as far as time goes. Um, and then the way I do it is we, we declutter, uh, room by room section by section. And I really, I make people do their own organization uh, and decluttering. So some organizers will go in, you just take a look at what they sorted for you and then they put it back and they make it beautiful. That's great. I think that's more of like a micro interior design, you know, that's a little designy yeah. for me. Um, I'm more into the mindset. So when people are physically touching their items, they are, tell then they tell story. Story is so important for how people can preserve um, the value that they're putting into something else. So they can preserve the memory because they get to tell the story over and over and then they can release the item because it's never again about the item most of the time. Sometimes you really do want to keep things, but so that process of them physically going through it and I like to hit the points of overwhelm. It seems counterintuitive, but I like for my clients to get a little overwhelmed because I want them to really feel what they've done what they've done, like the walls they've built around themselves because they had delayed decisions, because they didn't want to be confident decision makers, because life got in the way, because things hurt. And I want them that feeling to come back up and I want them to never want to feel like that again. So they get to make decisions with, after that overwhelm, a lot of people can get irritable. They can get hungry. Um, they might want to drink. That's me normally, um, but... <laughs> Yeah. And sometimes it's not even like a sentimental item. It could be like, you're going through paperwork and you're just remembering like 
wow, all this paperwork really reminds me of when my daughter was in the hospital, or I remember going through this divorce and it's very overwhelming that like life got in the way and you weren't able to live the way you dreamed you were going to live. Like I, I hear this all the time. I used to be an organized person. I really was. And then, so I really like to make sure that everyone I'm talking to feels that shift from stagnance to overwhelm to maybe irritation to release to motivation and once they get to that fire and that motivation my hands are off the wheel and they start telling me what they want you know very cool well I have to say thank you for simplifying the idea of decluttering all right so for those who want to untangle more uh organizing hacks and decluttering advice where can people reach out to you? You know, the easiest way, honestly, the easiest way to reach out to me is on Instagram. It's uh, my Instagram is Miss Monica Fay. Um, and also you can go to my website, which is totallynormalchaos.com and find me there and a free resource that for anybody, if you go to the bigletgo.com, that is basically the framework um, that I use for my 90 minute declutter challenge rooms every weekend. Um, it's a free workbook. It outlines all the, the ways we organize on that 90 minutes and you can download it for free on the big let go. Well, this has definitely cleared out a lot of uncertainty around clutter. And to my listeners, thank you for being so neat and tuning in. Bye for now. I hope this episode helped. Please subscribe, rate, and review to support the podcast and follow along for more hacks, tips, and failed attempts on Instagram at how did I get this far pod? Well, that's as far as we will get for now. I'm Amanda Ogan. Thanks for listening.